Hey guys, and welcome to Monday Mornings with Michael. Today is June 13th, 2022, and guess what? I successfully survived camping, and I made it back in one piece. We made it back in one piece, me and my friend Jordan. Anyways, it is super exciting. We had a great time. Today, we're going to be focusing this episode really on camping because I've been talking about that for the last couple episodes, and I know you're probably dying to hear all about it, right? (laughs) Hopefully. And then we're also going to touch a little bit on FP Kids and what I learned on the trip from that. And then we're going to end some and with some takeaways. So if you're ready, let's jump right on into this. So one of the things that I didn't want to happen on the trip was to get sunburned. Last summer, I went on a rafting trip and I, although I tried really hard not to get sunburned, I didn't realize when you're on one of those inflatable rafts with like six to eight other people, the water's splashing on you and like hikes your shorts way up. So last summer, I put sunscreen everywhere where my clothings were not, not knowing that my shorts, you know, my board shorts were going to be like all the way up as far as they could and got that part of my thigh really badly burned. So going into this trip, you know, I learned a lot from last summer and was like, we're not going to get burned. I really don't want to get sunburned. But leading up to the day of the trip, like on the actual day, I had work in the morning and then I had scheduled the dog walking to be a lot earlier. And from there, I had to mow lawns and eat lunch and pack the car up once my friend came, you know, all these things that I had to get done, which, oh, and we had a grocery shop too for my family, not for the trip, but for our family grocery shopping is usually on Fridays too. So we had all these things that needed to happen and I needed to get ice while we were at the store. And so I had changed into the clothes that I was going to have for that day once I got home from work, but then got a text that I needed to go right away to pick up the dogs, which was, you know, it was planned, but it was much faster than I had thought. And I didn't have a chance to put on sunscreen or a long sleeve shirt. So I was wearing a tank top because it was supposed to be 90 that day. And I was going to be stuck in a car for two and a half hours. So I was like, perfect. Tank top will be perfect. I'll be in a nice, cool car but I didn't have a chance to put on the sunscreen or usually for my walks, I wear a long sleeve, like light, light, lightweight shirt so that I don't have to put on sunscreen, but still get protected from the sun. And so just in an hour of walking and mowing one neighbor's lawn, I have like red or really pink, but I'm very white. So to me, it looked red, Um, but sunburnt shoulders. And that was even before the trip had begun. So I was like, wow, how lame is that? (laughs) You know, like, So much focus on, you know, once we're there, this is what I'm going to do. Make sure I stay safe from the sun. And before we even go, I am already burnt on my shoulders, which to me is also a very lame place to get burnt because it just gives you that tank top tan, which yes, is better than a farmer's tan, but it still is just no good at all. So Once we got on the road, though, it was about two and a half hours away, and it was up north from the Bay Area where I'm at in a, I guess the biggest town or city that you would know, and likely you don't even know this, is called Guerneville, California. So that was right near where it was at. It was at along the Russian River, which in that area during the winter months and seasons, it always floods. So really that had been my only kind of knowledge of the Russian River was that these people build their houses right along the river. And guess what? It always floods and it always destroys so many houses. So I was kind of excited to get a camping spot there. And I was going with my friend Jordan. It was his first time camping. So I thought it would be just a really fun summer trip because typically, 
You know, last summer I went on that rafting trip with our church and the church group I was in, and that was like the only trip I did for that summer, like vacation, if you want to call it that. So I was like, oh snap, they're not doing a trip this year. So if I want to do something like I need to plan it and we need to get going now. And so that's kind of how this trip came about. And once we got there, it was a really, I guess, pretty drive for a lot of it. You went through a lot of like rolling golden California hills, a lot of trees. And then the actual spot itself, because it was along the river, had really nice like big mountains with redwood trees, green evergreen trees all around. So it was very pretty and a very like beautiful area to be camping in. The actual campground was kind of in like the valley. So you had mountains all around with a lot of like pastures and kind of flatter land around the actual river part and the campsite. But it was a big mix, which was different than most camping I had gone to of like RVs and campers. So a lot, like we saw so many different, huge, like bigger than I'd ever seen of these campers that were pulled by these like pickup trucks, a truck, I guess, that is like the biggest you've ever seen. My friend was saying like, that's the standard size truck. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I just don't see many of these trucks around where I live, but they were huge. And then there were a lot of campers, but they were kind of dispersed along all along the river and in different spots, but the main like center area had a lot of the campers, which makes sense because that's where a lot of the roads were. And there were kids everywhere and all over the place, which was actually really fun to see. Everyone was on their little bikes. So I think these people had all been here many different times because they had a good system down. All of the kids just kind of a free for all, which we were like, shoot, if we have kids, like, I don't think we'd let them do this because there were still quite a bit of cars coming in and out kind of at all times, but they had to drive seven miles an hour. But still, like when you see that and like all these kids, you're like, where are their parents? Oh, they're probably drinking <laughs> at their campsite or, or eating or preparing food or, you know, doing something to get ready for whatever is next. And the kids are just like, I'm going to get on my bike. And a lot of the little boys had those helmets with like the mohawk spikes on them, which if you've seen them, you would know. So I kept thinking I was seeing the same kid only to see their face and bike and be like, I think this is a different kid with a different colored mohawk helmet. So it really was just like they were everywhere. And I felt like they were all good friends with each other too. But I think that is just something that you do when you're a little kid. You're like, hey, you're a kid. I'm a kid. We're camping you got a bike. I like your bike. Let's go on the playground. You know, there are so many of those where I'm like, I feel like they're, they don't really know everyone no, or they didn't know everyone before this trip. But then when you're there and in this little community, you all become friends. And that is like a special fun part of camping. But our actual spot where my friend Jordan and I camped, it was called Overflow, <laughs> the Overflow Tent Camping Section. Basically, we booked it a month ago, which if you know anything about camping, at least in the state of California where I'm at, you need to be booking them at least six to eight months in advance. And even then, our neighbor, who we kind of became friends with and talked with them, it was a family, they said they tried booking like as soon as it opened up, which would have been many months ago, and they had said they were all taken already. So I think... And I'd seen on their website for this place, it was called Cassini Ranch, C-A-S-I-N-I -I Ranch, that they already have openings for next year. So I'm pretty sure these people have already all booked for next year already. But she said they were in the overflow because there just wasn't anything and they did try to do it in advance. It was just that I did not, you know, I decided, I know, I mean, in December or January, do you really think about summer and camping? 
No, I mean, you think about the summer and the nice weather wishing it would get here, but you don't typically think like, I need to reserve a spot, and how do I know what I'm going to be doing in six to eight months? Oh, I don't know. You know, who knows? Nobody. But apparently, these families know, and a lot of them did because the whole place was packed. But because we were in overflow, it was like right across the little dirt road from us was overflow parking, so I'm pretty sure originally where we were camping used to also be even more overflow parking because they, I mean, we did have designated spots, but they were just kind of like more like stalls, camping stalls, because we were super close to the, the campers next to us. We had a family on one side, the other side, it wasn't booked. So that was kind of nice or else we would have been kind of sandwiched in, but we had a campfire ring kind of built into the ground, a picnic table, and then a spot for a tent and a car. So it was like boom, 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 very close together. It was in full sun, so it was very sunny and very hot. You know, typically it would have been very hot, but it was actually very windy. I think partly because it was near the river and in a valley, so the wind comes over the mountains and then each night it, the wind would blow like fog. And so it was actually pretty cool, only if you were doing like strenuous exercise that when you got back to your camp, you're like, gross i'm just gonna cool off in the hot sun <laughs> so those were like some small things where you know because we were in the overflow it was a little bit like oh this is much different than any camping i've ever been to or like the water spigot to get water for our camp was also very far away kind of there was no ideal spot the bathrooms weren't too far away but it was still kind of like a a couple minute walk which the bathroom is more noticeable but when i've camped before usually you have water spigots everywhere and maybe this place did, but they were where the the real campers were, you know, like the the people who got actual spots that were a little more private and <laughs> designated where all of us and like the stalls for camping had to go a little bit further. So that was, you know, all little weird things where I was like, uh, it's not ideal. And like, it doesn't really feel like we're camping based on like where our camp, <laughs> like where our tent is. But I would say overall, it was still good because like, what can you expect when you book a month <laughs> in advance? I felt more bad for the family next to us because they actually did try to <laughs> book in advance. And we were just like, oh yeah, we planned this. Like like literally May 10th, it shows I booked it and we arrived on June 10th. So like, oh weird, cool. Like it really came up fast. So I would say for that, like it was a great spot. It was very family friendly too, which I think was fun to see. For our food, we planned it all out, but we had like spaghetti with a like a meat sauce that I prepared like the day before in a Caesar salad. Then the next morning, scrambled eggs with ham, the ham I cooked with garlic the day before as well, toast and fruit. Our lunches were mainly just like PB&J sandwiches with chips, fruit. The next night we had hot dogs with fruit and chips. And then we ended Sunday morning with a really great breakfast of like French toast, sausage patties, and eggs that I, we had like a flat, it looks like a cookie sheet, but you put it on the propane stove. So we cooked everything through the propane stove, but I cooked that last meal all in that, and it was so good. I mean, the food was typical to what I would eat at home. I mean, the breakfasts were much more fancy because at home, maybe once a week or twice a week, we would have something that is like a prepared hot breakfast. But I would say the food was super good, and it was like one of those cool things because when I've camped before, Usually the parents, you know, my family, they would be the ones planning all that out, figuring out the food. And it was when we were younger, but now I'm like, oh, it's like, 
I'm the parent now who <laughs> like we came up with the food and then I was preparing it and all this like mind strategy of like pulling it out of the cooler but don't keep the cooler open too long and like let's make sure the milk is still cold because we're going on two days with it being in an ice bucket and we don't want it to spoil as well as the eggs and all of that of we had a big box with all the tools that we needed so it was a trick of like can we find the right utensils and plates and cups and pans and then we need to wash so we need more water you know walk even further to the water which eventually i learned it was best to get all the water so i would carry like a big bucket or a saucepan and a water like pitcher that you boil water on for like your coffee i bring both of those to the water spigot fill them both up start the water boiling in the water <laughs> uh boiler so that I would do that while we were eating so that it would be hot by the time we needed to wash dishes. Because the first night I was like, okay, we'll warm up the water. And then I was like, oh man, this water takes forever <laughs> to get hot because you have a little propane stove, which it did have two burners. So it was a very nice stove. But you know, it's one of those things you learn, you learn and learn and learn as you go, especially when it is kind of your first trip spearheading it, I would say. And that and what I was doing, because I have been backpacking, but with backpacking, you just plan food for yourself and it's fine if you just have like bagels and you know cans of chicken or tuna or peanut butter you know it's more like just kind of bring what you can where this was like planned meals so it was very cool from that and i am going to create a reel eventually and put it on my personal instagram and i will likely come back to this episode in the show notes and link it there for you as well as if i post any photos so you will get to see some of these photos if you're wondering kind of what it actually looked like, but I still need to get those photos from my friend Jordan. He's going to send them my way because kind of with a lot of these camping trips, and I think I mentioned it last time, like I like to leave my phone back at camp and kind of not be on it as much as possible. An example of that being like I started the trip with a charged phone and I didn't have to charge it until like Sunday morning when we were leaving. And that was only because I was like, we're going to be in the car and I'm probably going to need it. And that's when kind of you're brought back to life of like telling people, oh, we're here, we're headed here, we're on our way back, that type of a thing. So I didn't actually have my camera to take a lot of the photos, but I did have a watch. And that was something that was actually really helpful when I'll talk about kind of some of the activities we did, but that was always super helpful. So we didn't have to pull out a phone to be like, what time is it? Okay, let me look at my wrist, like back in the old days. And it's a watch I've had since I think at least elementary school. So it's a really old, but really cool electronic, like digital watch. So, I mean, it doesn't count steps or anything like that, but it's got a steady clock, it chimes on the hour, and a good stopwatch, <laughs> which is all you need when you're out in the wild, kind of. But I'll share some quick highlights. I would say some of the main highlights were like campfires. That's one of my favorite things of building the fire, especially on the backpacking trips of like collecting the wood and getting that started. And my favorite time for a campfire, which you would think would be nighttime, but it's actually in the morning because I get up so early. I am always like the first one to awake, <laughs> to awaken on these camping trips. So my body would first initially wake me up around like 4.30 or 4.45, right before five o'clock. I was able to go back to sleep because it wasn't that bright yet. But then right at six o'clock, I would like wake up like I'm fully rested, ready to go. And our tent was so bright because outside at 6 a.m. now it is very, very bright. So I'm like, I can't just sit here in my sleeping bag. So I will get out and get things started. And if it is a bit chilly, a campfire is so great. So we did that 
you know, for our dinners, we cooked our hot dogs in the flames <laughs> over the campfire on that second night. And then like on the main day, which was Saturday, we walked around the site, which is about two miles, kind of scoping out the other sites, seeing what was there, walking along the river, seeing like, oh, they do have some shaded sites. And if we ever came back to this place, these would be a little bit better. We played basketball. They had a basketball court. They had a volleyball net and they called it a jumping pillow. It looks like one of those big tarps that you would play like parachute. If we, in PE growing up, we did it where you were like all, I don't know, we just called it parachute, but a giant like colored thing. But this was like built into the ground and I guess they would inflate it with air and then little kids could bounce on it. You had to be like under this many, I think like no one over three feet or four feet could get on it because they were all tiny. It was like a grown up would pop this jumping pillow. But we, for our side, we just played basketball. I had brought a volleyball and pumped it up. And in the truck on the way there, I think something was pushing up against it because by the time we got there, it was flat. And I was like, oh, bummer. So we played horse around the world and then one-on-one with basketball. Took a break and had lunch after that. And then our main activity for kind of the whole trip was kayaking on the river, the Russian river for three hours. It was like $15 in a double kayak for one hour or 45 for four hours. So we saved money because with us splitting it, it came out to like $22.50 type of a thing. So it was much cheaper and much better to do that. Really fun and like a big learning curve of like learning how to paddle together and when you need to adjust from going like two on this side to three on this side to just kind of knowing what each other were thinking and being able to like kind of overcompensate on one side when you paddle and then do a little bit less on the other side if you're trying to correct it. So we did that. We were headed, I don't know, I would say we were always headed upstream it seemed because we would be going one way against the current and I was like, Jordan, guess what? It'll be so nice once we turn around because the water and the wind will help push us. And then as soon as we got to the end of where we were going to go, we would turn around and then guess what? The wind was blowing the other direction at us. So it kind of seemed like we were always going against the current, which was kind of like, oh, wow. Because the river was pretty low in general because it's been pretty dry, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the weather up there, but in general, we had to keep shifting over because in a few times we bottomed out, we we're like, we are stuck now. So there wasn't a ton of water pushing us along. It was mostly the wind. And then on the far end, we were trying to get to this one bridge, which was, we learned on our way out, we actually drove over that bridge to get there and to leave. It went right over the, the river, a big like cement drive driving bridge, I guess you would say. And it was like just around the corner. I was like, I didn't want to say it, but I was like, I eventually did of like, we'll just make it to that bridge and then that will be, you know, a good time to turn around. It looks like we should get there pretty fast, but I know with these things, it could take longer. And then sure enough, the wind was at its craziest and like the Jordan couldn't, he was in the back of the boat and I was in the front. He's like, what was that sound? Like a big bump. And I was like, oh, it's the waves <laughs> because now there are many waves. And as our boat goes over it in the front, it like, boom, boom, as we are going along. And so we worked what, like if it was a calm, you know, very calm waters, it probably would have been just five minutes to get there, but it probably took us like 15 because we were just like fighting against the wind, the water that was coming at us. 
and then Jordan's hat kept falling off, so he would stop paddling so he could readjust it so it didn't fly away. And while I was still paddling, it wasn't enough to make forward progression. It would just keep us in place, which is very sad because <laughs> normally like one person could move the whole boat. And then if I stopped, all of a sudden we'd be being pushed back like right away. So it was a uh, definitely a challenge but also really fun and just like laughing while you're doing it of like this is so ridiculous like that's why all the people don't come down this far because <laughs> we had seen people pass us when we stopped to take like a food break along the river and they came back pretty fast and I was like I wonder why like they just didn't have it in them and I was like oh I could see why now <laughs> but we got a little past the bridge there was like it looked like an old wooden bridge that had deteriorated, like just the stumps and the posts sticking out of the water. So we grabbed onto that, took some photos, and we're like, we did it, and then let's go back. And then sure enough, you know how I said, when we were headed back, the wind was pushing us, just kept pushing us to the right side of the shore. So like, it wasn't even an easy way back even. So we got basically a really good workout that I don't think many people would have even been able to do unless you were either young or very fit. But in one of those pushes, when the wind was pushing us, we actually saw a deer. So that was a cool way we stopped. I held us in place by adjusting so that he could get his phone out of his waterproof bag and take a photo of that. But from there, we also saw a lot of ducks, both on the river. They had a little pond. And on the river, we saw just a few baby ducks. And I was telling Jordan, I was like, you know, they have, like, they're similar to chickens. They can have, like, I don't know, eight to ten little chicks or ducklings following them but each one we saw only had about two and i'm like you know what that means right like those are the only two that survived <laughs> out of the full like baby birthing that the duck had with their eggs which is also very like sad and like in captivity like most of the chicks and ducklings should survive but you really see it in nature like that's why you have so many babies because out of say six to eight like two are surviving and I mean who's even to say that they will make it to adulthood I mean who knows but they were regardless very cute kind of you know copying the mom she dived down to the bottom and then you'd see their little butts like choop, 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 try to swim down as far as they could and then especially the babies could almost like run on the water as they would get going so that was also very cute to see they also because this was the campsite we're at was called Cassini Ranch. It is actually a working and functioning ranch. So they had a giant pasture with, I think they said like eight, at least six to eight horses in the place we saw. We ended up buying food, like treats for a dollar at the general store because they had a general store, which I'm sure they made a ton of money because it was always crammed full of these people. But we had gone up to it as soon as we bought the treats and we're like, the horses are so far away. Like, how are they ever going to come? Well, it turns out in both the morning and early evening, the horses have learned to come to the fences because the campers like to feed them. So eventually we did get to feed them. I have some funny videos of, I don't know, the horses, their lips are huge and their teeth are very gross. And so like, you're supposed to hold it like flat on your palm so they don't accidentally bite your finger. And the one I kept trying to feed it to, he just couldn't get it up. And every time he would try to grab it, I'd like jump back. <laughs> Not because I was scared, but just like, uh, um, what do you call that? Like just involuntarily, like Ugh, gross <laughs> type of a thing. But then we did end up feeding them and petting them, their heads, their necks, which was, that's all we could really reach. They just had flies all over them. So it was kind of like cool and gross at the same time. They look kind of dirty because they're just running out in the wild type of a thing. But the horses, I think, were so cool and really fun for like all these kids that were there because 
they were up close and personal with these horses. They, I think, I mean, you know how I said I think they had been there. I knew they had been there because they had bags of carrots. I'm like, who brings, you know, this many carrots on a camping trip? We did have a bag of apples. So Jordan and I went back and he fed the white horse an apple, which he just crunched. The horse was just like, scooped it up, did like one crunch and was like, yum this is good type of a thing. But beside the horses in that pasture in the morning, we saw like a mom and a baby deer. The baby deer was just like hopping. It was very cute where the mom was like running as a deer would. The baby was just trying to keep up kind of bouncing along. And so that was fun. We saw that. And then I mentioned the deer by the river. And then the last night we were there, we started whittling, which is like you find a stick, you take your pocket knife out, and then you kind of get the bark off to make a spear or a knife or I don't know what you do. You just whittle. You sit around the campfire whittling. And that was something I was telling Jordan that when I was a kid, all of we'd go like with church groups and all the older guys always had pocket knives. And I was always like, oh, I can't wait till I'm old enough to have my own pocket knife, which I don't know how old that was when I got one, but it was like for one of, I think either Christmas or birthday, I was, you know, for my parents gifted a pocket knife. And I was like, yes, next summer I can whittle <laughs> and, you know, can make knives and spears and of course, the parents all have the, like, you you cut away from your body, and you must be careful. Anytime you stop, you put the knife away, you know, all of those things. But I was telling Jordan all about this, and, like, he had a pocket knife. I had my pocket knife. But at the campsite, you weren't allowed to collect wood. Like, they didn't want you scavenging for wood. So it was very tricky, like, on the walk to the bathroom. I was like, I'm going to walk through this patch of trees because there should be sticks. And no, I'm not collecting firewood but rather I'm collecting sticks for us to whittle. And it was actually harder than I thought to find it because we weren't camping in like a forest forest where like in the Santa Cruz mountains where I would typically camp, there are sticks everywhere. So it's very easy to find, like have your choice of nice sticks to whittle. Where this, I found some and I'm like, these are gonna have to do, but it was actually really fun. And Jordan got to whittle his first spears and sticks. So that was another like fun memory. And then I think... Some of like one of the last highlights were just like the kids and families everywhere. And, you know, it's they are saying in society, you know, people are having less and less kids nowadays. But if you were at this place, you'd be like, wow, how cool is that? There are kids everywhere, like big families everywhere. And like that's what we did as a family. It is much more cost effective and cheaper to go camping than, you know, pay for all of these expensive flights or trips or ticket prices per person if you've got five people in a family. So it makes sense that a lot of families were there, but it was just super fun to see. And then also, I think within that too, with camping, you are in like a community and I liken it to like when you're on an airplane, you're stuck with these people for a certain amount of time. You didn't choose them. You didn't necessarily even choose where you're sitting. You know, there's limitations to all of that. But hey, guess what? You are stuck with them for this amount of time and you're going to make the best of it and kind of have fun or as much fun as you can within that. And regardless, whether it's good or bad, you're going to have a lot of good stories to tell afterwards. So that was something that I'm always reminded of, especially in a spot and campsite like this. Of like, We were so close to a family, like right next door to us. And like you just pick up and hear like their different conversations and like their little girl when we got there was making horse noises and sheep noises so like as we're unpacking you hear and you look over and she was trying to get our attention so like she was excited and she was trying to say like 
she called it a pusum, but she said it was short for a possum. So she was digging holes in the dirt to try to catch an opossum, which I'm like, why would you ever want to catch one of those? Like, come to my neighborhood, we have them everywhere type of a thing. But funny stuff like that. And I know on a previous trip we went to, I think it was probably our last camping trip as a family. It was in Stanislaw County along a river. So we had a river, but there was like, you woke up to cows mooing and it was kind of stinky and there were so many bugs. So like we would never go camping there again. But within that, there was this like weird hillbilly family and there was a boy who was always naked riding a scooter. So I, I like named him the naked scooter boy. And so like on that trip, that was like a highlight of the trip. I mean, not a highlight because the trip itself was it was not very good. <laughs> like, I just remember bug, like you were always getting hit in the face by bugs and not even that they were biting you, just like they were literally running into you. And then you wake up to, you know, cows and then you hear roosters and chickens somewhere in the distance, but close enough where you could hear them, yellow jackets everywhere. And then like random families <laughs> and the naked scooter boy. So I think like with this trip too, it is very fun. Like you, like with my friend Jordan now, I like throughout the trip, I'm like, yeah, and our neighbors, did you hear when they said this? Or like, oh, our neighbors were doing this last night. And like, it's so weird because like, just by saying that you have this formed connection of like, from that trip, our neighbors, and that is that family that we live next to. And the other neighbors two doors down, <laughs> which is really two stalls down, where they just sat around and I think drank a lot. I don't know. It looked so boring. It was a man and a woman. And they were just kind of like always around the camp, but not really talking, not really doing anything. And I was like, uh, that looks so boring, but all to say, I think those were some of the highlights and like they had like a camp section to it. So on the main day, Saturday, when we were eating lunch, the kids were doing like relays and the parents were getting involved. So just a really fun, like camp overall. And I would say like, if you have a family or are new to camping, like it is a great spot to go to. And I think the temperature actually ended up being very good. And then kind of to finish up this camping trip though because we are getting to the half hour point I'll tell you I guess some funny stories but I think the the one thing that I was worried about was forgetting some of the food that we prepared forgetting supplies you know forgetting anything because when you're a kid on a trip it's up to the parents to take that responsibility but when you are now grown up and you are the one kind of leading the trip then it is on you to make sure everything is there and that you can survive and make it through the trip so we had actually like we got there, we remembered everything until I was like looking through my toiletry bag and like, I forgot my toothbrush, which of course that is something that happens to me quite a lot because my toothbrush is upstairs and I brush my teeth at night typically. So I can't, when I'm packing, I pack during the day, but I'm like, I can't pack my toothbrush because I'm going to need a toothbrush tonight before the trip. And I, that night before I was even going to text Jordan and be like, Hey, don't forget your toothbrush. I almost always forget my toothbrush. So after you brush your teeth tonight, like make sure you pack it. And I was like, oh my gosh. I even like went through that whole dialogue through my mind of like, make sure to remind your trip mate who's coming on the trip to then forget it completely. And I'm like, I can't go. Like I really would not even want to go one day without brushing my teeth. But they had a general story. So, you know, it's good. They have these little things like that. And I was able to buy one of those like travel toothbrushes that's like a half a toothbrush only to realize once I got home that you're supposed to flip the cap around and like pop the end onto it so that it is like a full toothbrush because the whole time I was brushing I'm like 
wow, it's really hard to get in the back there because I'm like sticking my whole hand in my mouth, which is already pretty small. So it was a hard feat to get to, to like get the back teeth and do all of that. So that was like one of the stories. I'm like, of course, the toothbrush, like that is just something. And I, the funny thing is, because you'd probably say like, oh, well, you should have extra toothbrushes to bring for packing. And I do, I have an extra toothbrush that probably one or two from all these trips I've gone on, which I don't go on many trips. So that's probably why I forget the toothbrush because I don't travel enough to know, like just always have it in your toiletry, toiletry travel bag. So I was like, I actually have an extra one because this has happened before. And that is something that does typically happen. So one of those like kicking yourself like, oh, I knew this was a problem. And yet again, I fell into the same trap. But because I bought this travel toothbrush, its new home is in my toiletry bag that I used to take to the gym when I would bring like shampoo and shaving stuff to shave my face. So it has a new home. So therefore and henceforth i should be okay with the toothbrush and then the showers that was another one like after we were in the river because i actually swam in the river swam in the river and they had these signs everywhere of like we don't recommend children or your dog swimming in the river or because they're more likely to drink it if you're an adult you can but make sure you don't inhale or drink any of the water we're no longer testing the algae and the algae might have blah 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 kind of like they're trying to not take responsibility for if you drink the water and get sick. But at the same time, like, I don't think, like my friend Jordan, he didn't want to swim in it. And I think it was partly because of those signs. And I was like, uh, yeah, that does not make the water look, you know, enticing at all. But I also know from these other trips I've been on, like literally anywhere you go, they say, don't drink the water. Don't like any lake, river, stream, anything you go to, like be careful. So I was like, I think they're just being overly cautious because there are so many kids and families, but I was in the water and we kind of had, you have to wade into the water to get the boat in and out. So we were both like covered in sunscreen, had been in the sun. So like, it's good to go to the showers and they had quarter showers, like different stalls. And mine was the handicap one. I was like, oh good. It'll be extra spacey and roomy, but it only had a handheld one, which was mounted so low to the ground. And so, yes, I picked it up and was using it as a handheld because I'm like six, two. So I'm pretty tall and it could reach fine but the water pressure was kind of low and then i got to where i was like i need was not getting the full like shampoo and bubbles off so i'm like i have to hook it back up to the holder it was but i didn't want to sit on the bench because who knows whose butt has been on that little bench that folds down and i didn't have like a towel to put on there that could get wet so I was like crouching down like all crouched underneath it trying to get the bubbles off just like oh my gosh the water is just you know, hardly going. I look so weird because you're naked, crouched down, just trying to <laughs> get bubbles off. But also you only had like six minutes unless you put more quarters, but I'm like, I don't want to pay more quarters. So I, I don't know. It was just really funny. And like, this is nice. I mean, the water was hot and that's all I had wanted. Really. I was like, I can do with water pressure, whatever. But if it's cold water, I'm going to jump right out of there and not be happy because I don't I'm already skid very skinny and get cold easily. So I'm like, I don't need a cold shower coming at me. So it was hot. So that ended up being good and all was fine. But I just thought it was funny of like, oh, this is, you know, it's technically a shower, but not to the same that you would think or hope for. And then I had finished and I didn't know like when it was going to stop. So I was like, you know what? I paid four quarters. <laughs> well, actually only three because it started after two. So you're supposed to pay four. I paid two. It started. I'm like, I'll put one more, which is my third quarter for good luck and good measure. So 
I was like, I'm going to use up my 75 cents. And then all of a sudden the water just turned off. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done now. And it didn't really feel like six minutes at all, but who knows? And then the last one, there was dew. And my mom had warned us like, oh, make sure you pack everything away from the campsite before it gets dark and before you go in for the night, because some of these places like they're covered in dew in the morning. And just like as we were finishing around the campfire that first night, we could tell like things were starting to get wet. We had already, you know, put all the dishes away. So it was just a matter of like packing our chairs up and putting those away, moving the firewood under the table to, cause it was in a box to help kind of protect it from anything that could get it wet. And then we went to bed, but as I was getting in the tent, I was like, oh my gosh, the tent is covered in drops, both on the outside and the inside, because we had a fly, which is what you do when it rains on your backpacking tent. But I was like, it's not going to rain. Like the, the forecast is fine. It's going to be in the, like the high eighties. We should be fine. Only to find out as I was walking around, you know, that day looking at other people's tents, I'm like, they have their fly on. They have one too. They also do. And then ours is just like, this barren, just the tent by itself. And as I was getting in bed, I'm like, oh my gosh, we should have put the fly up. And we, the whole inside was just soaking. If your sleeping bag or pillow touched the walls, it got wet. So like I had gone to bed first, but I stayed awake for when Jordan was coming in. Cause he had to take like contacts out and do some extra stuff. He was coming in. I'm like, don't touch the sides of the tent. I already moved your bag closer to the middle <laughs> so that we wouldn't have to touch it. And that to me, he said it wasn't a big deal. But for me, because I've camped so much, I'm like, it was awful. Like that feeling, because you're pretty close to the tent wall of like something could drip on you. And in the morning I woke up and I was like, are my feet just cold or is that water? And is my pillow wet at the top or is it just cold because my head hasn't been on it? Turned out it was wet. So that was like after I got up at 6 a.m. I started a fire. Everything was covered in water and dew is what you would call it. Like soaking, like I had a rag and I kept like wringing it out from the picnic bench, our box that was you know closed but had all of our stuff. I was trying to wipe everything down. And even after I wiped it all down, it was still like very, very wet. And our tent would just look soaked on the outside. Luckily, our inside stuff was all fine, except for like my stuff that touched because I'm very tall. Uh, but I think Jordan's stuff didn't really get wet. All to say though, the second day while we were making dinner before dinner, I made sure we put that fly up because I was like, we are not gonna have another night like this. Like we are ready to go. We learned our lesson type of thing. And then I wake up the second morning, which was Sunday morning, to find like there was hardly dew anywhere, hardly anything on our fly, anything on like the tables that we have or the gear that was left out, like the cooler, all that stuff. So I was like, go figure like the first day, like just everywhere, like everything was soaked. And then once we have all the stuff out ready to go for the worst dew ever, it doesn't really come out. So <laughs> that was like a funny thing from that. And then Kind of, we ended the trip on that last day Sunday with doing a three-mile hike in Armstrong Redwood State Natural Reserve. That was a place about 20 minutes away from the campground, but it was actually on the way home. So, like, I didn't realize that when I was planning it out at home. Like, I was just like, oh, this is the nearest Redwood Forest. We're not really going to get to hike or do anything, like, traditional camping as, like, I would have done it if we were in the Santa Cruz Mountains. So, I was like, this would be fun. And it actually was, like, right on the way. We just turned left on a road, went all the way up to where it dead, dead, dead ended into this park. 
And then we came back, jumped on like Highway 116 that got us going back home right after. But it was a pretty good hike. There was only two hikes you could choose from, a two mile one or a three mile one. So we're like, we're doing the three mile because they said it was from fire or storm. I don't know. The parks in California, I was so enjoying like, they're all like this. Like the fires were two to three years ago and they still are not open. The storm, anytime one storm comes through, they're like, oh, the, the trails have been washed out. They're not open. I'm like, aren't our tax dollars or someone, you know, funding is being given to these parks. Like what is happening? So that's always like a funny kind of weird thing. And hopefully by next year, if we end up camping in the Santa Cruz Mountains area, because there were also a ton of fires there two to three years ago, hopefully they will be repaired and open. Because if you go there with like the camp we were at this time had a river. So that was like the main feature piece. But if you camp where we want to camp next year, like the main feature piece and adventures to do are hiking. It's to hike. So if you go there and you can't hike anywhere, then you're like, what do we do? So that's it for the camping part of things. We drove home. We got home safely. It was a great trip overall. Definitely good to be back. Some short things for FP kids that I kind of saw on the way there was that kind of the background for the illustrated book I'm doing with Johnny Paul Todd in it, which I've talked about quite a bit. But the background, I have it in a town called Serenade Hills. And it's like within these rolling golden hills of California, which I guess California is kind of known for. It's something when you live here, you do take it for granted. And you're just like, that's dead grass. Like, why are people fantasizing and making it seem like such a beautiful thing? Like the rolling golden hills of California, come and visit, you know, something like that is like enticing. And like, wow, that sounds beautiful. But like, when you grow up with it, you're like, those are just very flammable dead weeds <laughs> covering the mountains. Like, wait till spring. They turn green for about two months and then they all die again. But driving up here, I had thought like when I was creating the story, the reference photos I was looking at was more gold country because that's what I could remember from being a kid and going to gold country. Of Like there were lots of hills and lots of dead grass. So like I was looking up reference photos there thinking like this is where you know most of the hills are only to find out that along our drive to this campsite we passed through a town called Petaluma and that had like these amazing golden dead but rolling hills everywhere with oak trees and was exactly what I was picturing and like creating and what I've already drawn and created for the town in the book and I just thought that was so cool of like well, I didn't even have to go, you know, to gold country, which is kind of similar area, but way far to the east. So past Sacramento to the east. So that was really cool. And if you didn't know the main girl character in it, her name is Petaluma. She goes by Petal and I had named her after the town. I mean, I don't think I've ever been to Petaluma, but I've always liked that name. And I'm like, this is such a cool name. Like Petaluma sounds so cool. So to figure out like, Whoa, the scenery I'm thinking of is in this town that we drove through called Petaluma, and that is the main character of the story that the story takes place in and what it's, you know, being created after. I was like, wow, that is so cool. And it's like the exact scenery scenery I was thinking of. So funny things like that of like seeing how that all works together is just crazy to me. And then at the campsite there was a lot of pastures and like fields and there was one field where along the side there were a bunch of yellow flowers and this green grass and it looked just like other photos I had referenced <laughs> on Lion of Dandelion pastures where you just have like tons of green grass with these yellow flowers everywhere. So that was another thing 
It wasn't exactly dandelion. You know, there were different types of flowers that opened and closed. Still a weed though, but from a distance, I was like, whoa, this is also exactly what I was looking up reference photos for. So to get to see that all in person was just super cool. And like, whoa, these places, like they do exist, which I knew they existed, but I inadvertently got to experience them firsthand and in real life because I went on this trip where before I was just like, I've looked up lots of reference photos and like I live in this state, but I don't really want to have to like make one trip out of driving around, you know, a couple hours up north to find the exact hills I was thinking of. So on this trip, I actually got to see it and I got to take pictures. So I have my own reference photos now, but that is enough on that. We'll get to some takeaways from this whole trip because we want to make sure that you do also have a great start to your week and kind of summer kicking off summer and we are almost there officially with it being like june 20th or the 21st one of those dates but about 10 days away from the start of summer and i know most kids are getting out of school and most likely you will also be trying to plan trips or i mean hopefully you've already planned trips because if you're trying to camp like sorry guys you're (laughs) you're probably too late with that but you can plan for next year But I would say, you know, from this trip and things to learn from it, you know, it was great to get away from a few days. You can experience nature and live out among it. You are getting out of your comfort zones of having all of these things like at your hand, like just having not having a refrigerator alone. is like, whoa, like we had to fine tune plan everything so that like it would stay fresh and cool and cold and up to temperature to make it healthy enough to eat. And like Sunday morning, we finished the last of the eggs, the milk and the cheese. And I was like, yes, we have finished everything that was time sensitive, you know, with being getting potentially getting too hot to make it unhealthy to drink. So that was like such a great feeling of like, we did it right. Like we got rid of everything that we needed to. Uh, And then learning new things like with the fly on your tent, you know, stuff like that. Or my friend Jordan, like he got to make the fire the second night and learning stuff like that of like, these are all skills that are very helpful and very applicable in the real world. Or if you ever find yourself out in nature or who knows what's going on with the world. So maybe you have to live out among the woods at some point and knowing like, wow, these are all new things we're learning or whittling and making things with your hands out of the sticks and wood. And I think within that too, it's just, you're living in a, in these different ways that are more like the old times, you know, like how our civilization has come to be of like Little House on the Prairie or like, you know, the Native Americans that lived off the land and the early settlers in this state and the gold miners and all these people that, you know, that came here for the hopes and dreams of, I mean, most of it was gold <laughs> in that time in the 49ers time uh so that brought a lot of people out here but they all had these dreams of like a better life over here in the west or in this the states of california and but when they got here they had to live off the land and do all these things like build campfires and hunt for their own food and do all of that which we didn't hunt but you know that same idea of like it's so cool to get a little taste of that and be like wow you can appreciate things so much more once you get back and knowing like we've come so far and like wow that's so cool and i think the other fun thing too is a lot of these trips camping ones in particular and like both my friend jordan and i are very adventure seeking and fast paced and active and in good shape of like you have adventures every day and like multiple ones like that saturday we went on that long walk to see things we played basketball for like an hour And then we kayaked for three hours and then came home and fed the horses and had dinner. Like we did so much in one day where it's like, 
how do we do so much in just a span of like two half days and one full day of the trip? And that to me is super fun. You get super tired out of like, you know, just going. And I think for me, it was more tiring too, because I was in charge of making the food and doing all of that. So kind of keeping in my mind, like all these things of like, okay, for this, we're having this and this and this and this. And even when I got home last night and then was making dinner, I was like, I had that same mindset. I'm like, okay, how much milk do we have left? I have to make sure I can pick it up fast, pour it and put it back. And what about these supplies? I have this stored in the dried food bags in the car. You know, I was like, wait, wait a minute. We have a refrigerator again. We have cabinets again. We have, you know, I'm back to civilization. So stuff like that, I think is always fun and really makes you grateful for what you have, always happy to be back home with your family. And most trips, which I told you, I don't go on a lot of trips, but like when I woke up Friday morning, I'm like, I'm going to be so happy to come home Saturday or Sunday night. <laughs> you know, like that feeling of like, that is usually a good part of like the most fun part of a trip is like getting to return home after a really awesome trip. And from there, you know, kind of finishing up is I mentioned, you know, you're grateful for what you have in your current life and you get to see that like firsthand, just having a bed is super nice and not being trapped in a sleeping bag that tangles you up. You can implement what you learned from the trip in your own life, whether that is through, you know, the cooking, the like, I want to get better at this for the next trip and kind of planning things out and like really looking over how it went and what you're looking forward to, what went well, what didn't, and just incorporating that for the next trip or just in your life if possible. And then I'd say like it gets you excited for the next adventure. Like, yes, it was a great trip, a great adventure, and I'm happy to be home and <laughs> to be home for quite a while, but it makes you thinking like, okay, next year, you know, the whole trip are like, next year we'll do this. And like, ooh, let's go here for next year. So I think that is super fun of like, you get hyped up for the next adventure in life. And then these things also just keep you active. They keep you moving and they keep you young because to go out and camp, like you can be any age, you can be older, but within that person camping and doing that and taking those risks and those steps out of their normal comfort life, you know, like they got to have some young down deep inside them because that is not something an old crotchety person would want to do. And likewise, I think some young people that are so against it, I'm like, you're just super old inside (laughs) or not even old, but just like very privileged and haven't had the chance. But all to say, if you haven't gone camping, I would definitely recommend it. It turns out at my morning job where I was telling people like I was like I finally have something to tell you that I'm doing this weekend rather than mowing lawns and cleaning the house but a lot of them had said they also had never been camping so you don't have to live the rest of your life never having to camp I would say find a family or friend who has camped because I've grown up camping since I was a baby and gone on backpacking trips you know like be like my friend Jordan find someone that has gone so that you can then learn you can experience And then together, if you go on another trip, can then be even more engaged and ready to go for the next adventures that are to come. So with that, I will leave you with saying thank you for listening because that was a a pretty long episode and these ones are not usually that long, but I did want to share just at least somewhere on a platform of what I did and you've been there along with me. So I hope you enjoyed hearing a bit more about the tramp, the the tramp, (laughs) the trip camping, camp trip. Wow. Yeah too much talking. But I hope you enjoyed that. And I hope that as you start this week out, you're ready to go ready for whatever adventures your life has for you. And that you can hit it head on just with optimism, with positivity and a hunger for life and adventure. And just knowing how fun you can have in life and that 
it is all out there for you to grab and take hold of. So with that, have a great Monday and thanks for joining in on this, I guess, special edition of Monday Mornings with Michael. Have a great day.